Welcome to the July 3rd sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and the sermon is entitled, Using the Unlikely, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. We're thankful today that we gather together uh, under and, and looking at His Holy Word. We are walking through the book of Joshua. Uh, the first chapter is behind us, and in that first chapter we see that Moses has died, Joshua rises to the position of servant leader of the nation of Israel. And last week, we talked about as God's promises and His presence and His peace would always be with the the nation of Israel and would be with Joshua as long as he continued to look to Him. Now, starting out today's sermon, it's titled, Using the Unlikely. Using the unlikely, you'll get three points, but I want to say this. As I thought about this message today and how it would relate to Joshua, there was a show uh, that my wife always loved to watch. And she's probably not the only one. There's many of you who probably like to watch this show too. It's called Fixer Upper. Y'all remember that show? All right, where they take an old house and they do some work to it and they make it look gorgeous. Well, my wife loved Chip and, and what's her name? Oh, yeah, see, all y'all watch that. I know. All y'all, y'all just told on yourself. Chip and Joanna fixed up these houses and, and took something that was useless and made it livable again, made it useful again. And so today, as I start out with that point, that's exactly what God wants to do with every life in this world. God wants to take a life that is covered and and marred by sin, and He wants to change that life. He wants to save that life. He wants to cover that life with His precious blood. He wants to redeem it and make it useful again. Today, maybe you're here, and you may can relate in some way to this sermon, or maybe you relate to the word unlikely. It's amazing how God can use the unlikeliest of people and the unlikeliest of situations. I think just in the Bible, I think Gideon and 300 men defeating 135,000, that is a very unlikely thing. I read about that over and over and over in my Bible, and my mind cannot wrap around that. How that can happen? Well, let me tell you how, because God was there. I read about David defeating Goliath, and you know that story. I read about Paul's life-changing experience on the Damascus Road, and I wonder, how can all these unlikely people and unlikely lives change to follow God? And it's because God touches each and every life. And so today, if you are here, and you're sitting here and like, I'm, I'm in an unlikely situation. Here's the message. God wants to use you. Maybe you're in an unlikely situation. Maybe it's not ideal or the way that you thought it should work out. God wants to use your life. And I'm grateful today to read a Bible that not only promises the presence and the power and the peace of God, but also promises us that He will always be with us and that He will walk with us every step of our way. As we look to the book of Joshua today, Joshua chapter number 2 is where we break open God's Word today. We're going to read just the first seven verses. First seven verses together. Here's what God's Word says. 
And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither to, uh, tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they become become to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said to thus, There came two men unto me, but I was not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I would not pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to the Jordan unto the fords. As soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. Let's have a prayer real quick. Father God, Lord, in only the way that you can, God, I pray, Lord, that you will use my stuttering tongue, Lord, and these, your holy words, to change people's life, to change people's outlook on life, and maybe, Lord, to pour your precious blood upon a heart today in this place. God, thank you for what you're going to do through your holy word, and we give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's amazing to me how God has to work in order to make things happen. And even today, we see as God is working in Joshua's life, he's also preparing a way that that will change others' lives. He's going to work in spies' lives. He's going to work in a a harlot's life. He's going to work in so many lives at the same time. And my prayer is as we read these words today, is he works in my life and he begins working in your life. And he calls us to that place where we think that we can walk and we can serve and we can live for Jesus Christ every single day. We see in the first verse, the first verse is going to give us two points, but in that first verse in chapter 2, there are two spies that are sent out. And so point number one is this, is the sending of the spies. You say, Jeffrey, why is that important? We'll get to that in just a second. But I want to say this, as Joshua is preparing men to follow God's will, he makes a decision that he's been a part of before. And that decision is this, to send spies to Jericho. You see, Joshua was a part of that plan some 40 years before. He was one of the 12 spies that was sent into the Canaan land. So he understands, he understands what's going on. But I love it, and I'm going to say it now, I love it that he trims the 12 down to 2. That's another sermon, but I'm not going there. Sometimes too many opinions can get in the way. But he trims down to two spies, and in these two spies, he sends them into the place where he knows God has given him and the people of Israel. I think back to when Joshua was one of those spies. And Joshua was one of the two that came back to Moses and gave a good report. The Bible calls the other ten an evil report. And Joshua and Caleb being the two out of the twelve that said, The Lord is with us, fear them not, 
Let's go take the land. And what happened when they stood on what they thought was the right thing to do? Here's what happened to them. The Bible tells us they were stoned. They were stoned. And their report wasn't listened to. And so how does God punish the people? Forty years of wandering. Forty years in the wilderness. Forty years of walking on their own because they would not obey the voice of God. Why send the spies again? As I read this, I'm reading this and I'm preaching this to you and I'm like, Joshua, why not just go in and take the land? Because here's what God's word promised him. Every foot, every place where your foot, uh, the sole of your foot steps is yours. And he also promises them in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 that nobody would be able to stand against them. Man, I would love that promise. I'd be ready to march tomorrow. Let's go. But no, Joshua does his homework. And I think it's important for us not to miss this, that Joshua gets to work and he sends those two spies because after 40 years, guess what? Things do change. Things may change. Jericho was a double-walled, double-fortified city, some 800 feet below sea level. And it served as an oasis and a dry land. But as that place that God had promised the people of Israel, wait, there was work to be done. Deuteronomy chapter 9 says this, that it had walls that were fenced up to heaven. So marching to take this city was not something for the faint of heart. You just can't rush in and do that. You've got to have a perfect plan and a plan that is guided by God. And so as those spies move, they move, in, move into Jericho. And these two men had a tremendous job in regards to the plan of God. The Lord, uh, excuse me, the land is theirs. It's already been promised to them, but there was still work to be done. And so when I think of that, here's what I want to tell Clifford Baptist Church. It's easy, easy, easy to rush in and to make a decision. But if we leave God out of anything or any part of the plan and the leadership of this place, we are in trouble. And when many people have many different opinions, guess what? It's hard to incorporate all of that. But what we need to be is God-minded, God-fearing people who solely look to Jesus Christ to lead the decisions that we, that we make. Not me, but we. Friends, today, if we throw open the doors of the church and look into the world, there are things out there that look like double-walled, fortified cities. One of those came down this past couple weeks. Praise be to God. But there are many more to come. And so we need to continue to look to God. Do we need to send spies? I don't think so. We need to send soldiers of God out in this world. And so today, what I want to tell you, church, is this is our marching orders. Sending the spies is something that, that Jacob, excuse me, that Joshua done, 
But it's something that God calls you and I to do. It calls us to go to the world with the precious message of Jesus Christ. As Jericho lay in the foreground, God was with them. What do we do? Who do we listen to? Who do we follow? Could you imagine being one of the two spies that were sent out to bring a report back to the people? If the nominating committee was looking for that, don't sign me up. But listen, here's what God's laid on my heart. Somebody's got to do it. Two people had to do it. They had to put their life on the line, had to put a, a report on the line, and had to put the protection of God's will on their mind and on their heart. I'm grateful today that these spies had a job to do and they'd done it correctly and God used unlikely men to give back a report to Joshua. And so today, I ask you this, how many of us unlikely people, and I'll be the first to raise my hand, want to be used by God? God, if it's to send me somewhere, send me. But I want to follow your will. The first point today is this. The spies had to be sent. Look at verse number one again. The end of verse number one, it says, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. When I think of two unlikely people and looking at the spies and the job that they had to do, I say, Lord, I'm glad that was not me. But as God begins to work through Joshua, through these spies, and now he begins to work in Jericho. He goes before the nation. He goes before the spies, and he's working in a lady's heart there named Rahab. We're going to talk a little bit in this second point about Rahab. Point number two is this, is that we need to heed the harlot. Heed the harlot. Listen to the harlot. About eight times in Scripture, we see Rahab's name there. And listen to me, I want your attention here. Five of those eight times, she carries a title. Five of the eight times her name is mentioned in Scripture, she carries a title, and that title is Harlot. Now, some people try to explain this away, and the Hebrew language tells us that it could be the word that's used for an innkeeper, but when we get to the New Testament, it's simply a prostitute. And so I know that as we look at the truth of God's word, I don't want to misrepresent who Rahab is. She is a prostitute. She is providing a sinful, wicked livelihood for herself. And that's what she's chosen to do. But as she is living there in Jericho, and as she lives her life, it's amazing that that title defines who she is. Here's what I want to say today. The harlot defined her in Jericho. The harlot defined her in Scripture. And the harlot defined exactly who people thought she was. Decision after decision, time after time, 
She was making a living, but she was making a name for herself. And so maybe today, there's somebody in this room or somebody watching by live stream who's made poor decisions. Anybody in here ever made a poor decision? Praise God, it's not recorded in Scripture. But praise God, it's covered by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Maybe today there's somebody that's made poor decision or poor decision after decision and that decision continues to define who you are today or who those around you think you are today. Let me tell you this, today your past can turn into the past as Christ can give you new hope and new life. It's amazing to me as we look at the Old Testament what God's Word teaches us. In the book of Zephaniah, I know you often go there, but in the book of Zephaniah, here's what it says. The Lord God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. To Jeremiah, here's what God says. I have loved you with an everlasting love. In the book of Isaiah, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. Listen to these words. You are mine. I believe those three words that he tells, uh, tells Jeremiah, he tells me and he tells you today if we say yes to Jesus. You are mine. And here's what I personally, personally believe. I believe Rahab has heard those three words from God Almighty. You are mine. As those spies enter Jericho, guess whose door they end up at? The prostitute. It's amazing that a knock on the door was about to change your life. As God was ready to work, as God was moving to work, and God, through those spies, knocks on her door. I look at this plan, I'm like, God, why didn't I think of that? That is an awesome place. What a place to hide two spies. In the prostitute's house, nobody will think anything else about it. But it didn't quite work out that way. I want to go back just for a second to Rahab. We think about what one word can define her or what one thing can define us. And Rahab is simply one of two women listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. One of only two women listed there in verse number 31. A prostitute in the hall of fame of faith. Yes, she's there. That's the great mercy of God. That's what God offers every person when He says that my grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's what God means there. But as we are introduced to this Rahab, to this woman, we're introduced to a woman that is searching for so much. She's mentioned also in the book of James, chapter 2. As James is speaking about faith that must work, he gives us two Old Testament examples. One, Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. 
and he calls him a friend of God. But the, who is the second person out of all the Old Testament that is mentioned when faith and works are put together? Rahab. James chapter 2, verse 25, Rahab was commended for her faith because of what she did in providing and taking in these spies. There's one other place that Rahab's mentioned that I want to bring to your attention. Matthew chapter number 1. If you know your Bible, you know Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Through her, through her ancestors, Jesus Christ would come to the world. It's amazing to me when we, when we look at Scripture how it reveals how God uses the most unlikely of people. We would not put a harlot in the hall of fame of faith. But God did. We wouldn't put a harlot in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But God did. And what that tells me and what that should tell you today is God can use any person in His work for the kingdom of God. God not only used her in Jericho, but God used her ultimately in the world to bring Jesus to you and me. Rahab's life teaches me a couple, three things. Number one, that God's grace covers a multitude of sins. That anyone that's willing to trust Jesus in a new walk, God will change your life. The second thing it teaches me is this, that God has a plan for every person in every life. And because of that, He wants a relationship with everyone. Everyone here today, everyone watching, every person in the world, God wants that relationship, and He has a plan for your life. I'm thankful that my, my mother, that people surrounding me growing up taught me that. God's got a plan for your life. And the third thing is this, is the unlikeliest of people, God uses them. Today, you're looking at one. You're looking at one. Point number three, we see faith at work. As Rahab was commended for so much, this is what she was commended for. This is why she is in the hall of fame of faith. This is why James talks about her and faith and works in what we're getting ready to read. Look what she does in verse number 2. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men and hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country and the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into the house, for they be come to search out all the country. I'm going to stop right there just for a second. As I think about what happens here, as those spies come into Jericho, they also come into Rahab's home, and an undercover operation that did not work out. And the word got back to the king of Jericho that there were spies in his city, there were spies in his country, and guess what? These men were, were coming on behalf of Israel to, to spy out and ultimately to defeat his nation and his city. And the king comes to question Rahab about what, what's going on. What, what are you doing? They're here with you. And we see here in verse number 4 that the woman took the two men and hid them 
And here's where I want you to pay very close attention. And said thus, There came men unto me, but I was not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, what not, I pursue after them quickly, for, I shall over, or for you shall overtake them. So here's what happens. As the king comes knocking on her door saying, Where are these men at? Rahab gives them an answer. I don't know where they came from. They left it dark. What direction they went because it was dark, I don't know. If you hurry up, you might be able to catch them. But that's the way they went. Now that's the Jeffrey Amherst version, okay? Here's where I want you to pay attention. I can't sugarcoat this part about Rahab's life either. She lied. She lied. As I sat at my desk trying to figure out how to address this, Rahab lied, and perhaps we see the growing pains of a new believer that is still resorting to her old ways. But my personal opinion here is this. Now, this is Jeffrey's opinion. Yes, she lied. And yes, lying is wrong according to the scripture that I read. But in a matter of life and death, in a matter to save innocent lives, in a wartime scenario, this is what Rahab felt she must do. Admit to nothing. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Admit to nothing. So when I look at this, I wonder, God, is lying okay? What Jeffrey wants to tell you is absolutely not. But as I read Scripture in Exodus chapter 1, the midwives lied to protect the male children that were being born in the day. I read about Corrington Boom, who hid Jews within her home to protect them from the Gestapo. When asked if, if she knew where they were hiding, she was arrested. Some 800 Jews were saved because of this family's faith and their witness. Church, here's what I want to tell you. These moments are rare. Mark that down. These moments are rare where God honors untruth. But here's what I want you to know. As we look to God's word, I'm saying I'm not sure what I would do if put in that situation. But all through the Bible, Rahab is commended for her faith. The lies are never brought up. She's commended for her faith in her God. I wonder today, as we look at the book of James and we look at the book of Hebrews, Rahab's faith is honored. Rahab's faith is honored. Rahab's faith is honored. Why? Because her faith she put to work. She put her faith to work. How in the world does this story speak to you and me today? That's the question I have for you. Many times God takes the underdog in Scripture and through faith allows them to come out on top. God takes the unlikely who has faith and makes them more like Him. 
God takes the least and makes him the first. And we all know that God says the last or the least will become the greatest. Today, here's my question for me, for you, for me. Can God use you? Can God use you? And here's my answer. If he can use two spies and he can use a harlot, he can use you. But it takes you being sold out in faith to follow Christ. When I look at unlikely people, this book is full of them. This book is full of unlikely people that God uses. And he uses a very unlikely plan to save the world from their sin. Today, I'm grateful for a God that pours out his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. Christ died for me. The plan of God would take Jesus, his one and only son, to crucify him in our place for our sin, would raise him on the third day, and to give hope and to give life to all who will trust in him, no matter what baggage you carry. Today, is there some unlikely people that will simply come today and submit to God and his will? Say, God, I simply want to follow you. I know I've got a past. I know I've got stuff. I, I know you probably can only use me in certain areas, but God, I just want you to use me. God, if it's to send me, send me. God, if it's to save me, save me. But God, I pray that you lead my life today. Maybe there's somebody here today that has never trusted their life to Christ. I want to give you that opportunity to come before a holy God. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. But I know your amazing grace can save even me. As we open up this altar of invitation, this is a time for you and God to do business. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, today, thank you, Lord, that you use the unlikeliest of people Lord, thank you that as we are given example of spies that are headed to a city and, uh, and they meet this woman, that God, you're already at work in her life. My prayer today is, as I look at this scripture is that you begin and you continue work in the people of God here in this place, the people of God watching all over the world. God, that you work in our lives, Lord, that we will trust and follow every step of the plan that you have for our life. God, maybe there's somebody here today that's never made that decision to come to you as Savior. Lord, today, they don't need a prodding from a preacher, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead them to this altar, Lord, to fall before you. Lord, that you will change their life. Thank you for what you're going to do in these moments of invitation. God, we give it to you now to do your work and your work alone for it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. I invite you right now, if you would please, to stand as we sing this hymn of invitation.
And as we sing, if you have a spiritual need, you make your way here to the... Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.